It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your host, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and I am joined today by the one, the only, Ian St. Clair of Mile High Report and Play Colorado. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Joe. That's it's awesome to finally get on your podcast and and talk with you about Broncos and it looks like sports betting. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. And again, like I, I told you this right before we went on, but it's like, and again, anyone listening, this is like might be breaking news. I know next to nothing about sports betting. Uh, I like I, I like I'll play. I'll look at the like Deshaun Watson odds and I'll say like, oh yeah, the Broncos are ahead. That's awesome. Like that's good. I actually don't know how any of that's made. I don't know how, like, I don't know any of that stuff. So I would love to pick your brain on that. And then also we're, we're going to talk about free agency. I got to ask you like where you're at on free agency too. But like how, like, first of all, how did you get into it? And like, kind of like, like for somebody that doesn't know anything, like, should I go put money on Deshaun Watson landing with the Broncos right now? So before we get into that, yeah, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the site runner and lead writer for playcolorado.com. And the way I describe PlayColorado.com is your one-stop shop for news, analysis, advice to make you a safer and smarter gambler. So with that caveat in mind of what PlayColorado.com is, when you look at the odds for Deshaun Watson, right now, I probably wouldn't put money on the Broncos getting them just because they've moved up so high. So, for example, DraftKings, I updated my story on Drew Locke or Deshaun Watson. Who you got? And I took Russell Wilson out of that story because of the report that the Bears offered three first-round picks, a second-round pick, a third-round pick, and two players, and the Seahawks still didn't bite. Mm -hmm. So I took Russell Wilson out of the story based on that. So it's Deshaun Watson, Drew Locke. When I started following all of the odds for Deshaun Watson – the time to put money on them was before Jeremy Fowler's first report. Fowler is with ESPN, and he said that the Broncos were one of two teams at that point that Deshaun Watson was interested in or intrigued, and that was the 49ers and the Broncos. At that point, the Broncos were plus 1,200 to get Deshaun Watson. So, so I want to ask, what do you mean, like when you say plus 1,200, I honestly – does that mean like if I bet $1, I would get 1200 back? Or like, how does that work? So when you look at the odds, it's typically 110. So if the minus 110, that's the favorite, okay. right? So if you put $100 on the favorite at minus 110, you would have to put $110 to win 110. Okay. So if you put 110 on the, on the underdog, so it's plus 110. The plus or minus. The minus is always the favorite. The plus sign is the underdog. And this is terms of like money line, which is straight who wins or loses. Okay. That's typically what it's at is 110. So if you put $110 on the favorite, you could get your money back plus 110. Okay. Right? So view it like that. So at plus 1,200, if you were to put $100 on the Broncos to get Deshaun Watson, you could potentially end up winning $1,300. And Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson. So I was going to make that bet. 
I was going to go to draft. As soon as I saw that report from Jeremy Fowler, I've joked about this on my podcast with Adam Alnati on the radio bits that I do. I was hell-bent to get to DraftKings to take advantage of those plus 1,200 odds. I waited a little bit too long because I was updating my, my odds chart, and they had moved it to plus 400. So like from so, a betting perspective, that's not good. But from like from a like likelihood that it like they believe that Deshaun Watson, like that the Broncos are the favorite. Like that's that's what that means, right? Right. So the closer that you get to negative mm-hmm. is who the favorite is. Yeah, definitely. So at this point, uh, uh, Bet Rivers and DraftKings, as we talk about this on on your podcast, the the Panthers are actually the favorite at plus one fifty. The Broncos are at plus 400. So that gives you sort of an idea about And we can get into the whole Panthers being a favorite at this point because I joked in our MHR Slack channel of, yeah, the Panthers may offer up Christian McCaffrey to the Texans. That might be appealing to the Texans. But how is that appealing to Deshaun Watson to go to Carolina? Because that's literally the only reason he would want to go to Carolina. So – that gives you that, that's just a basic idea of the odds. That, that's a basic idea of the odds and, and how they work. And one thing that they do, I talked to Johnny Avello. He's uh, the director of operations for DraftKings for the sports book. So he's been, he's been a bookie for over 40 years. He knows what he's talking about, he knows what he's doing. What they do is they pay attention to this stuff like literally 24 hours a day. So any news that drops, they're on top of it. <laughs> Hence the Jeremy Fowler moving the odds from tw- plus twelve hundred to plus four hundred. Mm-hmm. So they're on top of it, just like they are with game lines, with injuries during the season. Like if someone gets hurt for the Broncos, they adjust their lines, and we can get into how they adjust their lines if you want to get into that into the weeds and 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 start talking about how they adjust the lines in season. But that might be better as we get closer to the season. But that's yeah. just a basic idea of of how the odds work and. And what they're looking at, they're 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 paying attention to the news just like all of us, and they adjust the odds as that news comes out. And this is, this is, might be kind of a dumb question, especially this far out. Is there like if I wanted to bet on Drew Locke starting all sixteen games, something like that? Like, could I find that? Like, because stuff like that, or like that, that feels like like Super Bowl odds. I feel like that would be fun to bet on. But the other things that like really interest me, like I do not think even if Drew Locke is the guy, I don't think he's going to start 16 games. And I don't mean that to be like, I'm not rooting for that. But just realistically, like I can accept the fact that he's been hurt twice. If they bring in competition, I think at some point performance will get him benched, stuff like that. So like I would want to like be interested in that kind of stuff. Like, could I find that? Do you like, do you look at that kind of stuff too? They usually don't put... And that because that would be called like a prop bet. So yeah. that would be that would be something that they typically wouldn't do because it's it's about an injury. Okay. I, I, so it would be interesting. It would they might do something like that. That might be something that they consider. And one of the reasons they do is the Colorado market has such an extensive sports betting catalog. So the fact that we're even talking about the fact that the Broncos could could trade for Deshaun Watson as a betting market. Colorado is one of the few markets that actually allows that to happen. Yes. Most, some of the, so since PASPA was overturned, that was the, uh, the law that was overturned by, by the Supreme Court in 2018 that limited and forbid interstate gambling. 
so that the only states that you could do it in were New Jersey and Nevada. That overturning of that uh, court case by the Supreme Court in 2018 is what led to all of this. And more and more markets are starting to come on. You're in Michigan. Michigan launched right before the Super Bowl at the end of January. So they're now in a legalized sports betting market. Illinois has it. Indiana, Iowa. Um, let's see, Colorado, obviously. There's Nevada, there's New Jersey, there's Pennsylvania. So more and more states are starting to come onto this, but Colorado is one of the few that actually allows markets like that to happen. As for whether you could bet on Drew Locke starting all 16 games, I'll be, it'd be interesting to see if any of the books actually offered that once we get closer to the season. And he is the starting quarterback. Yeah. And, and I mean, I figured it'd, it'd probably be one of those things like closer up. I'm just curious about it because that like, and again, I don't want to be overly pessimistic and I tend to be overly pessimistic. So I apologize. But like, I'm, I, I feel pretty strongly, like, not that I'm rooting for this, but like from a, like, I feel like I know that if Drew Lock is starting, the Broncos probably won't be very good. So like, Betting on them to win the Super Bowl for me, I feel like that's risky. But there are parts of like the Broncos again, like I I follow it a lot. So like there are parts of it I would be very interested in betting on. And I also know like in Colorado, like since it's gotten like since it's become legal, it's huge there. Yeah, it launched on May first, and it's already at the and this is before the January handle came out, and that was like I think it was the ninth or the fifth record month for sports betting handle. And that's the amount of money that comes in total for the bets before taxes. So at the end of December, they topped the 1 billion mark. Oof. And that's just from May 1st. And that's without most US major sports between May and the end of July. Yep. So that that's insane that Colorado has already gotten that much money from sports betting. And the Broncos aren't any good. So imagine what that number could be when the Broncos are actually someone that, that they want to bet on and you're actually excited to bet on them. That number is only going to shoot up. And I, I've had uh, people with sports books talking about that uh, ad nauseum that if the Broncos get good, it's only going to shoot that number up even higher. And you mentioned uh, the Super Bowl odds for, well, for the Broncos. I have, a question. Right now, I have a question with oh, this. Uh, sure. Just because let's say like, and again, like I'm an ardent believer that if I was George Payton, I would do anything possible to get to Sean Watson. Obviously Same. the Broncos Super Bowl odds will change drastically if they bring him in, regardless of who they give up. Like, let's be honest. Um, could I put money on the Broncos now? And then the, even if the odds change, like my money's still out there, right? Like, like, let's say they, they, I put the money on them right now. They go and trade for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson wins a Super Bowl, and I bet, let's say I bet $300 right now, like that's out there. Like I would get a return on it off the odds of right now, right? Like I don't understand Correct. how that works. See, okay, then I might be interested in putting some money on the Broncos. So let's use this, let's use that as an example. Okay. Like you you had somebody who reached out, you saw the tweet about wanting uh, the book with the best odds on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Well, the time to bet Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was a year ago mm -hmm. when no one thought they were going to win the Super Bowl. That was the time to bet on them. Now they're the favorite, so you're not going to win anything. David Purdom, who is uh, one of the, the best sports betting journalists out there, he's with ESPN, he had a fascinating story about two professional bettors who went all in 
on the on the Buccaneers not only winning the Super Bowl but getting Tom Brady. Oh wow! And they put a lot of money into these bets, and they paid off. Obviously, yeah. That's how you make money as a sports better if you want to do it. You know, you you trust your gut. You have a feeling that it's going to happen, and you go with it. If you don't feel it, don't do it. That's that's what I preach at PlayColorado.com. That's what I preach talking to people like you or any radio hit I do. I view it like when you're playing blackjack or poker. You have the hand. You know in your gut whether or not your hand is going to hit. So you either go forward and you place money on it, or you don't. You fold. View that like sports betting. So in terms of the Broncos, you mentioned right now the Broncos are plus 6,000 at DraftKings. Oh, man. So if you want – now, you mentioned putting money on the Broncos to get to Sean Watson. If you think the Broncos are going to get to Sean Watson, don't put the money on that. Put the money, put on, the the money on the Broncos to win the Super Bowl because as just like the odds with Deshaun Watson, when that report came out, it, it jumped from plus 1,200 to plus 400. The Super Bowl odds are going to jump from plus 6,000. And Johnny Avello told me in the story that I reshared on Wednesday, they would jump to probably 30, 30 to the 30 to the 40 range. So that's right that, now they're at 60. So if I'm confident that Deshaun Watson's going to end up on the Broncos, it makes sense to bet right now because I could make a lot of money off that. Yes. You, you'd be able to make. And that's what you want to do. You want to be able to take advantage of the odds when you think they're in your favor. So that's the advice I would give. Don't put it on the plus 400 if you go with DraftKings or Bet Rivers. Go with the plus 6,000 Super Bowl odds. So, and again, I don't want, like, I, I want to, I want to like, war, like call for a caution for anyone listening because we're about to talk about Deshaun Watson because I'm also working on a piece about Deshaun Watson I know you've been following this very obsessively, just like I have. So, like, I don't want you guys to believe this and then go spend all your money. But at the same time, like, if you're going to spend your money, look at the Super Bowl odds, not the Deshaun Watson odds. Right. Just take take what I'm saying as, like, advice. Yeah. Like, I, then you trust your gut. You take that information, and then you make the best decision for yourself. I could be full of crap. That, I mean, I've had people say that to me all the time, and that could be the case. I'm just saying, if you want to take advantage of it, now would be the time to do it. But some people just do not like gambling. They're like, if you read the Mile High Report comments, they do not like it. They they think it's a plight on society, and I totally get that. It it can it can, it's definitely something that can affect and ruin people's lives. Yes, that's why it's so important that I preach responsible gaming, to have a plan in place, to know your limit, to not go over that. Because it really is a form of entertainment when it's done right. Yeah. It's, an, it's an added way to watch the game. It's an added way to feel like, well, I could potentially win out of this. Like you have a feeling the, the Broncos are going to win this week. Well, you can throw a couple of bucks down. I'm, we're not saying go out and throw in a couple hundred on, on each game or each bet. Just throw a couple bucks down and and see what happens. That that's the best way to go about it. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. And some of some people may be turned off by this entire conversation yeah. about sports betting. And, and I and I totally get that too. And and that's uh, I don't want to like for you, those of you listening. I don't want to like browbeat you guys with this. I'm just again I don't know anything about it. Like I'll be honest. Like I'm 
completely in the, but, but I just, so if I wanted to do it though, I can just go to a site and it's that easy though. Right? Like it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're in Colorado, go to playcolorado.com. You could go to playmichigan.com since you're in Michigan. Okay. And oh. you can click on the, the links to, to sign up for the app. And I, I joke that it's like ba it's basically betting with free money. If you're, if you're new to an app, like they, they legitimately will give you free, free bet money to wager. And it, it really is betting with free money. You, and, it, and it's quick. You sign up, they, they have a geolocation where they find out that you're inside the state borders. Okay. You, you give them your name, your address, uh, usually the last four digits of your social security number. You have to usually send in an ID to prove who you are. And you can do that within five minutes and you're ready to go. Cool. No, I'm, uh, I'm in the middle. Cause again, I'm in the middle of writing this. So like, I will probably convince myself before tonight is over that I should put some money on Deshaun Watson and I've never sports bet before. So like, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to tell you guys what to do. Don't take my advice for anything. I'm just yeah, saying definitely like, that's don't where take my, my advice. I'm just saying that's where my head is at right now because again, like I'm started to work on a piece, and again, by the time this comes out, you guys will actually be able to read it. Um, about who looks like the actual serious contenders for Deshaun Watson now that free agency is kind of starting to move through. Um, and honestly, again, like that combined with the Fowler report, like the Broncos are one of the short lists. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. I'm not saying they're gonna get him. Because like we don't know if Peyton's actually gonna do what it takes to beat some of these other offers. But again, they're in the room. Like they have this is a real chance. Like this feels like Peyton Manning right before Peyton Manning happened. Like I'm not gonna lie. Like, and again, it doesn't mean it will happen that way, but that's where I'm at. Um, uh, because uh, like you said with Carolina, Carolina, there's reports that Deshaun Watson is plan A, B, and C for Carolina, like from their perspective. But if you're Deshaun Watson, all you have to do is look at their roster. This is what happened to me. The only way they can make a real appealing trade offer is gutting their roster in a way that, like, if you're Deshaun Watson, I would have no interest in being there. Exactly. Because look at the pieces that they that are usually included in a potential trade with the Panthers and the Texans. It always includes Christian McCaffrey. Yep. The and Texans, obviously, they obviously love that move. You're getting a dynamic playmaker in Christian McCaffrey, like legitimately one of the best playmakers in the National Football League. It, Why the hell would Deshaun Watson want to go to Carolina without Chris, without Christian McCaffrey? Well, I legitimately don't get that. Like, there's nothing you just said. There's literally nothing else there. Well, and the problem with Carolina is, and this, and again, we're gonna kind of work down this. I think I want to I, I want to kind of like work through a couple of these teams just to kind of like throw it out. But, like, the thing with Carolina is, like, they haven't been that good for a few years. So, like, they have a similar problem from a perspective standpoint that the Broncos have, except for when you look at their actual roster, the core pieces that they've collected outside of, like, McCaffrey. And McCaffrey, I like him a lot. If you include him, like, you lose him, obviously. And, like, that's one of your best receivers and best playmakers, best check down target. He's an X factor. But the other player that they would probably have to deal is Brian Burns. And if they trade Brian Burns, their pass rush is completely dependent on Hassan Reddick and Derek Brown taking a step. And the thing is, I studied Der Derek Brown last year. He's a run stuffer. He'll probably never be a big sack guy. So, like, at that point, then, your defense in the NFC South with – I mean, and again, the Saints aren't necessarily going to be what they were, but they still have Sean Payton. 
Um, Atlanta is not going to be any joke with Arthur Smith. And then you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like they brought everyone back. Like there's in a short term, they're still all pretty good. Um, and if you're Deshaun Watson, like you look three years down the road, Christian McCaffrey's pushing 30. You don't have a whole lot. You're back to where you were with Houston. That's exactly it. And that that's why I don't think the Panthers make sense. Like from a Texan standpoint, obviously. And I think that's why you see people mentioning the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. Thank you. Yes. Because I, I, I agree. They, they make they, sense for Houston. They don't make sense for Deshaun exactly. Watson. Right. And, that, and that's how you need to, to view all these reports. And I think that's how you need to view some of the betting odds, too, because it's from a Texans perspective. The one thing that's never mentioned is Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause. So just because the Jets can offer whatever it is, like the second pick, like I think that's one of the reasons John McClain was so hell-bent on throwing the Jets is because of the pick. Well, why would Deshaun Watson ever want to go to the Jets? Aside from the fact that it's the New York market, the Jets haven't been good since Joe Namath. Well, and the thing is, too, if you're the Jets and you're giving up the kind of package you're going to have to give up to get Deshaun Watson, you're two in foot. You're you were arguably the worst team in football last year, and now you have Deshaun Watson. But what else do you have? Like you have cap space, and they've done a few. They've done a few good things, but still, like they're not going to have picks for a minute. So like, again, he's inheriting a bad roster. And I think, like you said, I think that's one reason why we continue to hear the Jets because a lot of, and again, I'm not trying to like hate on these guys. Cause again, I appreciate insiders, but like insiders to some degree have to carry water. So like when you're reporting, like John McClain's reporting that the Jets are the only team that they would trade with. Yeah. Like I'm sure Houston would much prefer trading with the Jets than trading with the Broncos. That doesn't Absolutely. mean Deshaun Watson wants to go to New York over the Broncos. Absolutely. And, I, and it's the same with the Dolphins. I, I mean, what do the Dolphins have that Deshaun Watson would want to play with? Like, if you compare the offensive, the offensive weapons between the Dolphins and the or between the, the Dolphins and the Broncos, for example, why would Deshaun Watson want to go to the Dolphins? And the thing that everyone kind of says is Brian Flores, and I get it. I like, I totally get that. But, like, you look at the offensive supporting cast. They have Mike Kosicki, and, like, they have Devontae Parker. But, like, their offensive line last year was pretty messy. And it's young, so it could get better. But it was pretty messy. And then the running game, eh. Like, Ryan Fitzpatrick was their leading rusher two years ago. Like, they don't have a great running game. And then you look at their defense, and their defense overperformed last year because Brian Flores is a good coach. But they're still collecting pieces, and they just cut Kyle Vinoy. Like, like they're 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 on the up and up, but like if they give up all those picks, they're not necessarily on the up and up anymore. They're win now mode with Deshaun Watson, and that's why honestly, from a Dolphins perspective, if they believe in Tua, I don't know necessarily if even from their perspective if it makes sense to give up too much because like they may very well believe Tua could become the guy, and that might be the other thing. Like if they're not offering the moon, that might be another reason why we keep hearing the Jets because it's like, well, if the Jets are ahead of you, you're not going to get him, and then you have to play him. Like it's it's we gotta kind of play some of this because again, a lot of these reports, everyone's reporting everything. So you kind of have to dig into like thinking kind of trying to play in their head or in their shoes, what are they thinking? Like Deshaun Watson, Houston, then whatever team. The X Factor team and all this is the 49ers. That that could be a team that could just come in and be like, Yeah, we'll give we'll give the Texans what they want. And I think John Lynch has shown that he that he will do that if it's a player that he wants. The question is, 
does he want Deshaun Watson? And obviously, I think he'd be foolish to not want Deshaun Watson on that team in that division. So the thing is, what is he going to have to play with in San Francisco? Obviously, there will be George Kittle. Yep. But from the wide receiver standpoint, do they have something that can compare with the Denver Broncos? I don't think so. Well, and that's – so I actually – right before we got on, I actually – I had just finished my like 49er part of this. The thing that's tricky with the 49ers is they, they have a lot of pieces that they could feasibly move. The problem for them is that most of their good pieces, like the pieces if you're Houston, you would want, like George Kittle. Like obviously if you're Houston, I would love George Kittle. George Kittle carries a $16 million dead cap hit. So like if you're San Francisco and you're moving him, you're eating that right up front. Eric Armstead, same thing. Um, Like in an ideal world, I think the 49ers would like to give up a lot of picks and Jimmy Garoppolo. They could live with that. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't carry like any significant dead cap hit. Like I think it's like two point, I want to say it's 2.6 million or something like that. It's really low. So like if you're, if you're San Francisco and you can get him for that kind of deal, like you would love to, because then you're win now mode with an elite quarterback. You don't need those picks. You have Kyle Shanahan who can find guys to fill in the depth around him. And you have a defense in place already. The problem for the 49ers. And this is why, again, this is why I'm kind of like in Peyton Manning mode now. If the 49ers aren't going to offer up a lot of their players, the Broncos have more cap or have more ammo than them in terms of draft capital. Every single pick in every single round, the Broncos are ahead of the 49ers. The only way the 49ers can outbid the Broncos is with players, or if the Houston Texans don't believe in Drew Locke and they prefer Jimmy Garoppolo. And I don't know if that's enough to make that difference in draft capital, but like that's where I'm at with it. Um, I know people have floated the New England Patriots. I haven't actually broken down what they could offer yet. But again, like it's a similar thing. If the New England Patriots aren't offering players, all their picks are lower than both the 49ers and the Broncos. And so the thing is, if that kind of deal happens, it's a Nick Casario is friends with Bill Belichick kind of deal. It's not, it's not like I'm taking the best deal probably. But here's the thing. And like again, people are going to continue to say this kind of stuff. But here's the thing. Nick Casario is a GM for the first time. Do you really think he wants to just do a favor for Bill Belichick and then get fired? I really doubt it. Like, he's probably going to try to do the best thing possible for himself if he has to trade Deshaun Watson. And that's, again, why he would probably prefer the Jets or the Dolphins. But if you're moving down from those teams, the next teams that make sense are probably the Panthers if they like the package of players. The Broncos are the 49ers. And in terms of what you can give up, and like what you can give up in terms of draft picks, the Broncos are honestly, they're the best. And again, I know this is painful for a lot of Broncos fans. I'm attached to a lot of our players. I love, like, I love half the roster. Like, and I, and I like most of the rest of it. I would trade anything for Deshaun Watson. And I'm in the only thing the Broncos cannot trade for Deshaun Watson right now is Justin Simmons. And that's because Justin Simmons has not yet signed his franchise tender. That is actually one thing between Carolina in Denver, Taylor Moten for the Carolina Panthers. He's their right tackle. He signed his tender already. So if the Panthers wanted to move him, they could do that. The Broncos don't have that option with Justin Simmons, but they do. They they could trade basically anyone else. And the Broncos have enough cap space right now. And this might be one of the reasons why we haven't seen George Payton do anything with the cap yet. Because if you trade, if you have to trade Von Miller, you're eating a dead cap hit for trading Von Miller. And I'm not saying they're going to do that, but it's the same thing with Bradley Chubb, Cortland Sutton. Any of the players that you would think the Broncos probably are going to have to deal for Deshaun Watson, they will end up paying a dead cap hit for.
But if you have $30 million in cap space to do that and take on $10 million for the new salary for Deshaun Watson, you can afford it. Absolutely. And I, it's funny that you say you have the Peyton Manning feeling. I've had that same feeling. I've told Adam Malnati that same thing on our podcast. I have that same Peyton Manning feeling where you just feel like it's going to happen. And to, to traverse back to the New England Patriots, I think that's one of the reasons all these Boston media people are throwing out the Patriots. It's because of that connection between Cesario and Belichick. Why would Deshaun Watson want to go to New England? There's literally no reason for him to want to go there. My, my whole thing, if you're Deshaun Watson, you have to go to New England. You could convince me like Bill Belichick knows what he's doing, that kind of thing. But if I'm Deshaun Watson, again, like, do you want to follow Tom? And again, I might be just convincing myself, but do you want to follow Tom Brady and be the next good quarterback in, in New England? Or do you want to go and like pave your own way? And the other thing is like the other argument with New England, the AFC East doesn't look significantly easier than the AFC West at this point. Like you can't tell me like Josh Allen looks legit. Like I'll admit it. Like I was wrong. Josh Allen looks legit. Same. I was um, wrong. And like Miami, if they keep their pieces and Tua hits, like they're legit. And granted, New York is still a dumpster fire, but if they pick the right player in the draft, they could be good. So like the divisions are kind of a toss up in terms of Mahomes versus Allen. So like the only big thing for me is like the Bill Belichick factor, or if you just really like clam chowder, I guess. And I doubt Deshaun Watson likes clam chowder. I, I think like he'd prefer Rocky Mountain oysters, to be honest. I I just I, I feel like his, uh, let's look at the Broncos now because yeah we both have this feeling that it's going to happen. One of the reasons is even if you include Court, Cortland Sutton in a it's trade Patrick. to the to the Texans, you still have Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, and Noah Fant, and you can bring back Tim Patrick long term. So like the thing exactly. is, the Broncos can afford to dump like because here's the other thing. If, if Houston wants an edge rusher, you have Malik Reed, Bradley Chubb, and Von Miller. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to push these guys out. It's not personal. Like people get mad at me about this stuff. But the thing is from a, from a GM standpoint, you have the assets to dump a receiver and an edge rusher and survive it. Exactly. And I think that's why, because even when you take these pieces in, and put them in a trade to the Texans, it can be appealing for the Texans, they can feel like they got what they wanted, even if you include Drew Locke. And I think it might include three players. I, if I'm George Payton, I might give three players, Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton, Bradley Chubb, and three first-round picks in a heartbeat for Deshaun Watson. I would too. And my, this is, again, like, I don't, I want to talk free agency too. So like, but I know like you and I are on the same page with this. The other thing with quarterback and this is like one reason why i think this trade might end up hanging around till the draft the texans might want to see if there's a player at nine that they really want because if if, if denver has the best offer they probably aren't going to do it if they can somehow convince miami or new uh, new york to do that deal on draft day they'll wait and same with carolina like if justin fields fall and they want justin fields carolina could try and do that like so like i'm I, like i don't know the timeline for this and again, if it goes into July, that only really helps the Broncos. Because here's the thing with the other thing with the Niners, the Niners are a Super Bowl team right now. Like they need to contend for the Super Bowl in short order. Like there are like murmurs about like job security with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. So that's why they just signed Trent Williams to like a record setting deal, even though he's like 50 years old. Like 
they had to pay him because they, they need to continue to build a roster to win right now. And granted, Denver, obviously, like we all want them to win, but they have the flexibility of George Payton can come in and say, if I don't get Deshaun Watson, I can play out the year and then get back into the quarterback market next year. I don't want them to do that, but they could. But that gives them the, the other. Go ahead. The other factor in all this, you mentioned the draft, the draft day, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Panthers. There's still the no trade clause. Yep. So Deshaun Watson can say, no, I don't want to go to either one of those teams. I'm glad you said that. I forgot. Like, I, I like it slipped my mind about how everyone overlooks it. It's so easy to overlook this. Like the fact that Watson has power in this. He absolutely does. And I get that the, the, uh, the ultimate power lies with Cesario and the Texans. Like they will ultimately decide which offer is best for them. Mm-hmm. So once they get that offer, they still have to go to Deshaun Watson and say, well, do you want to go to this team? And he can say no. That's why I think the Broncos are in such a position that I think it's going to happen because they can offer the pieces to the Texans that will appease them, and the Broncos are a place that Deshaun Watson wants to go to. And the fact that they brought in Tyrod Taylor to me also confirms the fact that the Broncos are in the running because that means that quarterback in and of itself isn't the one – like, I believe, and again, I want to believe that Houston is a rational actor, like, in terms of, like, again, I feel like they they want to get a good haul. They're not just trying to give him away. Part of that's me wanting to, but also, like, you got to think, like, if you're a GM, like, you're not working to try and get fired. Like, your job is to try and keep your job. So, like, you're trying to do the right decisions. Um, And so, yeah, like, the fact that they brought in Tyrod Taylor, to me, suggests that, like, if they get Drew Locke back, they can have Tyrod Taylor and Drew Locke fight it out for quarterback. Or yeah, and they're not... And in that situation, they're not reliant on Drew Locke to be the guy. They have a guy, if if he doesn't take that next step, like some people think he will, you have Tyrod Taylor there. I think the thing with Tyrod Taylor is, can he stay healthy? Yeah. But it gives them insurance. So, like, they, they don't necessarily have to take a quarterback back that they believe could start right away or be a exactly. good start right away. Um. So this is a good pivot because, like, the other thing about this is the Broncos haven't done anything to bring in a quarterback for a competition. And, I, and again, this to me is a sign that they're in the Deshaun Watson sweet stakes. Because, Absolutely. Because Mitch Trubisky and Deshaun Watson aren't probably – like if the whoever signs Mitch Trubisky, I would assume that they're probably out of the Deshaun Watson race just because like from a media perspective, it's going to be almost impossible to have those two in the same locker room because every time like anything – like if Mitch Trubisky has to come into a game, can you imagine what the press conference is going to be like afterwards? It's going to be hell. Well, in that situation, Mitchell Trubisky should never see the field because the only way that would happen is if Watson got hurt. So I I, I think the one thing that's very interesting about all of this, and and James Palmer had had this report on Tuesday, where he said even if the Broncos sign a veteran quarterback, they're not going to be any less aggressive to get Deshaun Watson. I thought that was the most telling point of James Palmer's report, was. was that even if they do sign a veteran quarterback, they're not going to stop being aggressive for Deshaun Watson. And that to me, that combined with the fact that they didn't get an, like paying $10 million to Andy Dalton doesn't make a lot of sense. If you think he's never going to play like, unless you know what I mean? So like the fact that they didn't spend big on a backup to this point to me is a sign that they are definitely trying to get Deshaun Watson. What's so funny to get back to the sports betting reference is once the Bears signed Andy Dalton, their Super Bowl ads actually got worse. Yeah, I believe that. Well, it, it's, it's probably a sign that they're out on Russell Wilson. 
Oh, absolutely. I think that's why you're seeing all these reports saying how how hard they went after the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Like they threw the kitchen sink at the Seattle Seahawks. Well, obviously you didn't because they would have taken it if you threw everything and the kitchen sink at the Seahawks and they didn't bite. So I think that's very interesting is that now that they signed Andy Dalton, they're now coming out saying, well, we did everything we could to get Russell Wilson. Their problem was they tied themselves into a cap knot because I think they, they talked Khalil Mack into doing a restructure because they needed cap space. But by moving that money around on Khalil Mack, all of a sudden he had so much guarantees, they couldn't put him in a deal. I was talking to Brad Spielberger from over the cap. And he said, like, because the guarantees on Khalil Mack's deal, it's really, really hard to move him because you would eat so much dead cap hit. So they, they, they probably didn't put him in the deal. And because you didn't put him in the deal, if you're Seattle, like you're getting the 20th pick right now. And then Deshaun Watson's on the roster. So like, they're never going to be bad enough for you to get a quarterback off those picks like that. Like from Seattle standpoint, that would have been a terrible deal. I'm interested to see if Russell Wilson actually still moves just because I know that, like, I think that they're heading towards a, like they're heading towards a really messy divorce. Like there's, it looks that way. From a Broncos standpoint, for for the the experienced uh, seasoned fans, it, it has the same kind of feel as, as Dan Reeves and John Elway. Yeah, where it, it just it, it feels like the split is inevitable at this point, and it'll be curious to see which side the Seahawks choose. Pat Bowlen obviously chose John Elway. Thank goodness, because there was a potential trade on the on the line in 1992 where John Elway could have gone to the Washington Redskins. So. It'll be interesting to see what the Seahawks do and who they pick. Do they pick Pete Carroll or do they go with Russell Wilson? I don't think there's any chance Russell Wilson comes to Denver. I will say that. That's one of the reasons why I haven't really, like since the one day he said he wanted to be traded, uh, I know like we all talked about it because again, like if he's available, like I'm all in on chasing him. Same with Dak, like back before he resigned. But, but his no trade clause and the way he set it out, it didn't sound like he wanted to come to Denver. So unless that changes, like I'm not going to be leading the charge on the Russell Wilson stuff just because it seems like he's going to say no to Denver for whatever reason. Yeah. And I have no idea why he would not want to come to Denver. Same. I, I mean, we, we've talked about it. They have the weapons in place. And I think we both feel like the Broncos are a quarterback away and Russell Wilson yeah. would have to see that. I don't think the Raiders are a quarterback away. I think, they have so many problems on that roster and in that organization that even if you do get Russell Wilson, you're still not going to be competitive, especially if the Broncos get Deshaun Watson. I would still take the Broncos with Deshaun Watson over the Raiders with Russell Wilson. Same. So I, I think in terms of the Bears, and I think this is very interesting, and I think it would be a move that everyone in Broncos country would be on board with. We, saw, we both saw the report and had the same reaction with Brad Biggs when he said that the, the move that he didn't think was going to happen is now potentially going to happen, and that's the Bears releasing cornerback Kyle Fuller. I am all for Kyle Fuller if he becomes available. Um, and I, like I know at one point there was talk that he might be traded. That is a trade that I find the Broncos. The one thing I would that would give me pause is Kyle Fuller is 29, and he wants a new deal. So like that part of it's a little bit sketchy just from like, I wouldn't give up like a second round pick if I have to re-sign him too, because then you have that whole risk of like, you're signing essentially a 30 year old to a long-term deal. But in terms of like, if you can acquire him for like a high, th like I would trade probably a third 
Because again, Kyle Fuller and Fangio's defense was a Pro Bowl type of player. Like he's a very good corner. And what he does for the rest of secondary, Ronald Darby becomes your CB2. And if he's healthy, he's a very good one. Callahan's a very good slot. If again, if he's healthy, you could and they have experience playing together. And you have flexibility with Michael Ojemudia. So like you could you could do something with him. Either he's a very strong CB4, or you can have him compete for safety reps, or you could just play more dime. I, I think the fact that he had the success Fuller with Vic Fangio in Chicago, I think is one of the reasons that I think that move would happen. And I think Vic Fangio would go to George Payton and be like, dude, you got to get this guy now. It's definitely, it's, it's up on my list. I, it's one of those things that if the Broncos don't get Deshaun Watson, I could definitely see them doing that. I'm curious, like if they get Deshaun Watson, I could see them doing that too. Um, the other thing that I'm curious about, and I want to see what you think about this, because I don't know if I'm crazy. Kareem Jackson got cut, and it freed up $10 million. It, the Broncos, ate, I want to say a little bit under $3 million in dead cap to cut him. He hasn't gotten anything on the market as we record this. Again, like because I say this, he's going to get signed tonight. but Probably. But I keep wondering if Kareem Jackson's kind of hanging out here, and then like let's say the Broncos land to Sean Watson, he signs back for cheap. It's funny that you say that because uh, on the podcast that Adam and I just did, I brought up the fact that I think Kareem Jackson could come back to the Broncos. I think he'll see that there's really not a market for him. And George Payton, if there, I, I think there, I think there would still, I think there's still goodwill between the two, between the two sides, between Jackson's camp and, and Payton and the Broncos. And Payton can come back and say, all right, I know we didn't pick up your option, but we still want you. And let, let's let's hammer a deal out where you're you're happy and you're satisfied, but we get the player back and we feel like it's a situation that helps us out in terms of cap space. So I absolutely think that that is a possibility. And that's one of those things that the safety market this year was not what everyone expected so far. Um, Marcus May, Marcus Williams, and Justin Simmons got franchise tagged, but John Johnson hit the market, signed a good deal, but it wasn't. Again, I thought he was going to be making 15-ish million because, again, free agency, good safety, near the top of his class, didn't make it. Like, And that that's a sign. Like, Kareem Jackson was, I want to say he was the fifth highest paid safety in football. If if his deal had continued on, no one else had re-signed. So, like, he was making a lot of money. Um, So the Broncos may very well want to sign him for a longer-term deal, like two, three years, but much lower cap hit. If his market is cool, like, he already knows he fits the Fangio defense. Absolutely. And he knows that he can be successful in it. And I think Vic Fangio knows what he's getting in Kareem Jackson. And the thing that I like about it is you have a good tandem in Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. They both play well together. They give you something that most teams in the National Football League don't have, and that's two strong safeties. Not strong as in the position they play, but two good safeties. And and they complement each other well. Kareem Jackson is that enforcer, the guy who comes up and can hit guys on the run game. And, and Justin Simmons is more the guy who st- sits back and can make plays in the passing game. It reminds me a lot of Dennis Smith and Steve Atwater. So I think it would be an ideal an ideal world Kareem Jackson does come back, and I, and I hope it does happen. I do too. Because the other thing is too, at Kareem Jackson's age, the Broncos are going to basically have to look at the draft for a safety at some point anyway, unless they really believe in Trey Marshall. Um, cause I know Fangio didn't seem to like lose any sleep over Trey Marshall playing for cream Jackson, uh, in 2019, uh, 
So like, I don't know where they're at on that, but I do know that this is a really good safety class, even though Paris Ford just looked like a turtle at his pro day. Um, Trayvon Morig is really good. Ardarius Washington is really good. Uh, Richard LeConte, who played for Georgia, he's pretty good. He fits the system. Um, Pitt has another safety named Harmon. He's pretty good. He's probably not a turtle. He didn't look like it at his pro day. So like there, there are other guys to draft and groom. Um, but if the Broncos don't bring Kareem Jackson back, that is actually a pretty big need right now, unless they believe in Trey Marshall. So I, I that's why I think Kareem Jackson will end up inevitably coming back to Denver. So what do you think of the Ronald Darby signing? I don't know enough about Darby. I, yeah. I'm, I'm basing what I've seen uh, on what you and some of the other guys who have actually watched Ronald Darby. I think he's a good fit for Vic Fangio's defense. I think I he too. can be a, a good cornerback. I think the question is, can he stay healthy? And that's what terrifies me. Uh, like, if somebody told me to get a grade on this, I, I don't know if I could. Just because I honestly think, like, he's a guy that when the Broncos first hired Vic Fangio, I looked at. Because I thought, like, he makes a lot of sense for, like, he's like a Kyle Fuller type. Like, he plays off, looks very good. He's very fluid. He's very athletic. Like, if you have to cover Tyreek Hill, Ronald Darby is going to be able to do that. Like long speed is going to be a problem for anybody, but like he can match Tyreek Hill's short area movements pretty well. And he knows zone spacing. And the other thing that I really was impressed with, with Darby, the way Darby handles zone coverage, uh, Fangio's zone coverage. A lot of it is if thens. So like if, if there's two receivers on the line, they both flood my zone. I have to cover one of them. He does a good job of knowing which guy he has to cover and handing off in a way. Like you don't see those coverage busts that you would see like, Michael Oj- and again, I'm not trying to hate on these guys. It's just they were rookies. But like Essing Bassi and Michael Ojemudia, they both had issues with that last year. And part of that's just playing in it. Because again, like you have a lot more concepts that you're dealing with, both on the offense and what you're running on defense when you're in the pros. Darby knows how to do that. And it's very obvious that he knows how to do that. He also plays tough at the catch point. The big problem that I saw on his tape is there are times he'll get caught peeking at the quarterback. And again, part of that is... He's in zone coverage. He's trying to make a play. That's something that I hope improves with Fangio. I think it will because, again, Ed Donatello and Vic Fangio have, have helped save cornerbacks' careers time and time again. They've done this a lot. But like you said, like my big issue is the health. And, and it's honestly why I have a hard time grading it because I think what Washington did last year was really smart. They signed Ronald Darby on a one-year prove-it deal, cheap. Like I think he made $3 million. Because again, he had never been healthy for a full season. So signing him last year for a one-year deal and getting a full season out of him, like that's a great deal. Like that's like Jason Verrett-esque good. The fact that the Broncos that, signed him after that is kind of concerning. I, I think that, that that's the one thing that, and obviously you can't base anything on whether or not he can stay healthy or not. It's just going to be, he either can or can't. And we're going to find that out. I, I like the signing especially if he can stay on the field. And I think that's been the thing with Bryce Callahan. When he's been on the field, he's been really good. Yep. The problem is he hasn't been on the field enough. And that's the thing with, with since the Broncos have Bryce Callahan and Ronald Darby and Essing Bassey coming off the injury, I really hope Peyton's not done at cornerback. I would say the fact that, like Mike Cliss said, that they were chasing Mike Davis from the Chargers seems to hint that they're definitely not. Um, and again, this draft is pretty good in zone corners. Like there's quite a few guys that like could be good fits for Fangio's defense. So if we don't hear anything leading up to the draft, I would expect the Broncos to take somebody somewhere. Um, the fact that they took Darby as like their, they quote unquote, like Ryan O'Halloran said, uh, it was the number one target 
the fact that they did that, I would, I would think that Fanju has a type. Everyone else's boards be damned. So like JC Horn, I don't think JC Horn is a Fangio corner. I like JC Horn. If the Broncos were running the 49ers defense, I would really like JC Horn. They're not. JC Horn doesn't really play off coverage very well. Like he, he struggles in transition. They're not going to probably chase him. They will probably chase a guy like Greg Newsom makes sense. He plays for Northwestern. Paulson Adebo makes a lot of sense. He plays for Stanford. He was an opt-out, so I don't know where he's going to go in the draft. But but just keep that in mind. Like if, if Fangio is looking for a corner in the draft, like they're looking for a tight. They're not looking for a consensus top guy. I, I think that's absolutely right. And I think the one thing to go, to go back to Deshaun Watson is – we really have no idea what's going to happen with that number nine pick because we yeah. have no idea what's going to happen with the, with this Deshaun Watson trade. Yeah. And the fact we we've seen that the Broncos are interested in Zayvon Collins and uh, Tevin Jenkins, the fact that they looked at both. And then I've seen reports that they might be trading down. Like if they, if they get to the draft and they're still in the draft, if they trade down the nine is really bad unless they do like Caleb Farley or one of the quarterbacks. And again, I like those quarterbacks, but if Peyton doesn't believe in Trey Lance, it does probably make sense to trade down this year. I don't like the 2022 class yet, but maybe Peyton does. And in those of you, like there are people out there saying that the that GMs don't look at, ahead as far as quarterback. I think that's impossible. I think every scouting department, when you make a decision at quarterback, it's a, it's a five plus year move. Like when you take that guy, you're planning on having that guy be your starter for the next decade plus. So yeah, you look ahead because you have to make that decision. Like if you have to get back in range to get a quarterback again. You wouldn't be doing your due diligence if you weren't looking ahead at the quarterbacks who are coming up. Yeah, You have to at least have some idea of the type of player they are and what they can do so that when your scouting department goes out and watches them, they know what to look for. They know well, is this going to be a quarterback that fits our system? Are we going to be wasting our time? They have to have that kind of foundation in place. And the only way to know that is if you've started watching those guys before they become a senior or a junior quarterback. You have to have some sort of foundation in place to know what these players can and cannot do. What do you think of the Shelby uh, Harris resigning? I absolutely love it. And it was actually something that I was surprised by. Me too. I didn't think that the Broncos were going to be able to bring him back. I was hopeful, but I didn't think they would. I thought he would be able to, that that he would hit the open market and he was going to get the money that he probably would have gotten with the Indianapolis Colts last year had they not made that trade with the 49ers. I think that's where Shelby Harris was going to go last year. The fact that Peyton was able to keep him and, and, and sign him to a contract that is the one that he deserves and the one that he earned, it, it, it makes me feel very happy. I'm, I'm glad that the Broncos were able to keep one of the guys that they needed to do whatever it took to keep. Me too. Because the other here, there's a couple parts of this. I really like, first of all, I love Shelby Harris. I've liked Shelby Harris forever. Um, like I've liked Shelby Harris since he came to the Broncos as a reserve. And so it's, it's good to see that like the Broncos rewarded him for after like actually turning it on in Denver. Like he's become a homegrown guy in a lot of ways. The other things I like, and again, this is like more cold, like it's kind of cold this way, but it's like the Broncos signed him to a big deal. He's making 9 million average, but at the same time, his cap hit this year is only four. They have two years like where there's a lot of guarantees. And then if they decide that they need that money for something else in 2023, they can do that. And again, I like those kind of moves because you never know. 
I like having flexibility on these contracts because if the Broncos need that money to pay Draymond Jones in two years, like they have it. Um, and then the last thing I really like about it, the fact that they only like both Darby and Shelby Harris, because their cap hit is only $4 million each this year, the Broncos still have almost $30 million in cap space. Yeah, you, you can't, you cannot beat that. The fact that they were able to get these contracts and have such low cap hits this year. It's smart. Even, and I think that's what allowed them to bring back Von Miller. And that's yes. something else that surprised me because I didn't, I mean, I, again, I wanted them to bring him back. Because the worst case scenario for me was Von Miller ending up in Kansas City. That was the absolute worst case scenario. I would have died. I would have died. And the fact, the fact that they were able to keep him, one of the best defensive players in franchise history. I know some people think he's the best. The Broncos have had, they've had some remarkable defensive players. I don't know if I'm willing to go out there and say Von Miller is the best in Broncos franchise history just yet. But the fact that they were able to keep him and bring him back is huge. Yeah. And, and it's used for, oh man, yeah. Because I'm like you. Like I, and again, part of it is, I, I come off as pessimistic a lot, but I think part of the reason is because I try and levy my own hopes. Like if I'm just like the super optimistic guy, like right now with Deshaun Watson, I'm going to be crushed if he becomes a Carolina Panther because I believe he's going to become a Bronco at this point. And that's where it's at with like Von Miller. Like this whole time, I keep reading the tea leaves and it kept sounding like the Broncos were going to try and play hardball. It's like, if they're going to play hardball, like I feel like it's going to bite him in the butt. So I don't want to hope that he's coming back and then be wrong. But the fact he's back, like Von Miller has been my favorite Bronco since the day he was drafted. And he's been so good. I, I don't know if he's the best player, defensive player in franchise history, but I will say since I became like an obsessive fan, like I got bit by a nuclear horse, like back in 2003, since 2003, like Von Miller is the best defensive player I have watched on the Broncos. And that, to me, he's the best defensive player that I've seen since probably Steve Atwater. I think that, that I mean, and that, that's incredible. Steve, Steve Atwater is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So I love Von Miller. I think he's going to go down in franchise history. I think he is going to go into the Broncos ring of fame. I wonder if he's done enough. To be a Hall of Famer, I think that Super Bowl run and what he did in the Super Bowl might be enough to get him over the top. I, I, I'd be curious to see how that plays out, especially the last couple of years since he's been hurt. But I, 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 he is no doubt one of the best Broncos in franchise history. So, because so, like I think George Payton would have been the most unpopular guy in Denver if he let Von Miller go after doing what he did to Philip Lindsay. So I think we need to talk about that. Cause I've been kind of putting it off because Mike Boone just signed like minutes before we came on Mike Boone as a signing. He's a former Viking was the number three running back played special teams. He had one game in 2019 where he popped off because they were playing the bears and the Vikings were resting starters. But Mike Boone is, he's a Philip Lindsay replacement. That's what he is. Like the Broncos placed a right of original refute or a right of first refusal on Philip Lindsay, which means that a, like they saved about a million dollars, but because they did that and Philip Lindsay was an undrafted free agent, if any team offers him a contract, the Broncos can match it or they can watch Philip Lindsay go and play for the Baltimore Ravens or the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, I was reading Cecil Lammy's piece this morning. And it looks like the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Arizona Cardinals, the Raiders, and the Seahawks are like the leading teams that he's heard are interested in Lindsey. 
in terms of those teams, I think it's a foregone conclusion that Philip Lindsay is done in Denver. I don't think no, he's I, going to be back. I think this the fact that <laughs> the fact that Mike Boone's contract number is higher than the the tender was for Philip Lindsay shows you that. In terms of the teams that he's going to, the Chiefs don't make sense to me because I don't think he does the things that the Chiefs think that he could do. Because you need to be able to be a receiving back out of the backfield to be an Andy Reid's offense. Philip Lindsay can't do that. He's never shown that he's been, that he can do that. He, I mean, that's one of the compliment. One of the things that people say about him is that he has stone hands. Mm-hmm. He he can't catch the ball. So in, in that situation, I don't know if the Chiefs make sense. Uh, to me, that sounds like his his side putting out to to Broncos country. Hey, look where he could be going. The Ravens make sense. They do because. He's the kind of running back that I think could thrive in that offense. I selfishly, like, I don't want the, so I don't want teams in the AFC to get good players just because if the Broncos make the playoffs, they have to face them. So like, there's always that. But in terms of like for Philip Lindsay, I hope he goes to Baltimore because I think he has the kind of breakaway speed that you pair him with Lamar Jackson in a run first zone read type of offense. Give Lindsay a a head start to get into the second or third level. Like he's going to make music. Absolutely. I, 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 to me, I, he's a great player. He's, he, he's a great story. I think that's why Broncos country is so upset about this is because he's one of our own, right? I mean, yep. he, he went to the university of Colorado. He grew up in Denver. He's a Broncos fan. He was a Terrell Davis fan. Terrell Davis allowed him to wear his number. I mean, it's a great story. And the fact that he was able to come in undrafted, and, and put up the numbers that he has the last three years, it makes them wonder, well, well why didn't they want to do that? And I think you mentioned Cecil Lammy. Adam and I had him on our podcast uh, a week ago, and he said it's because of the fit with Pat Shermer. And I think that's the entire reason Philip Lindsay will not be in Denver is because of the fit with Pat Shermer. And I think you touched on the thing with the so- – I, I, I'm not as low on Phil Lindsay's hands as a lot of people. Cause I think he catches. Okay. I don't think he's great at it. I'm not saying like, I think he's adequate is what, like I have a grading scale, like how I evaluate players. Um, a three is it's below average. Like he'll have some drops, like catching outside of his frame is tough for Phil Lindsay. The big things that hurt, I think Lindsay in the Shermer offense is that per- partially, but also he's not a special route runner. And granted, like, I don't think you need to be a special route runner but I think you need to be a good one for Shermer. Um, but the other thing is uh, in terms of pass protection. And yeah. and again, I'm not, I like, I don't want this to come off as me hating on Lindsay. Cause again, I, I love him. Like he's one of my favorite players, but he's smaller um, and he plays hard. He tries hard, but at the end of the day, a defensive end, when a defensive end has Philip Lindsay between him and a quarterback, like that's a huge loss for the offense. Like, and, it, and what it does, that combined with the fact that he's not as good running out of shotgun, it's it's tough to put him on the field in must-pass situations. Yeah, I think that's the big thing with him is that he's one-dimensional. And then, and I, when I say stone hands, I no, I don't. I know what you mean though. I, I like, yeah, I, I, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying I think that. I think that's one of the things that's out there about him is that yeah. he's he's not great as a receiver. But I, I think that's the thing is that. He he's not a good pass protector. Uh, pass protector. He he has issues with route running. I, I, I but I, it, it will be interesting. I think in, in terms it, that 
it's it's why it's so important for the system that he goes to benefits him. And I think to yeah. me, that's Baltimore. I do too. I, I like Baltimore. I think Seattle, again, I think Seattle, if they have Russell Wilson, he'd be really good there. Um, because the thing with, uh, the thing with Lindsay is he's better on inside zone duo gap type runs than he is on outside zone. Everyone thinks, well, Phil Lindsay's fast and small. He's really good on outside zone. But the thing is the plays that he's done best on, like even dating back to like his rookie season when he was really good, it's inside runs. Like he's in, he, he runs like a fast power runner, except he's little like that's, and again, that's not a, that's not a hate on him. That's just the facts. Like he's very, very fast. And once he gets up to speed, like he's going to burn you and he will play harder than, or he'll, he'll, he'll play tougher than his size indicates, but he is still a smaller guy. And so at the end of the day, like you need a, a running scheme that'll take advantage of what he can do inside. And that is Baltimore, Seattle. I think the Raiders could do it, but Chucky likes throwing to back. So like that is still going to be a thing for him. And I don't want to see him go to the Raiders. I don't either. I, I don't want him to go to division, honestly, because then I have yeah, to move against him. And I don't want him to go to Kansas City because I, I, while I, I do think it could be a good fit. I think Andy Reid, unlike Pat Shermer, would be able to adapt his offense to play to Philip Lindsay's strengths, which is ironic since Pat Shermer was from the Andy Reid coaching tree. So that that wouldn't be fun. I mean, I don't want to see Philip Lindsay go to Kansas City either, but I. When I think of the way Philip Lindsay plays, he just he has that Baltimore Ravens running back feel. Yeah, he does. To it. He really does. Honestly, that and that's it's one of those things. And I don't, I don't, I can only guess what Philip Lindsay thinks or feels. And but it's one of those things. Like if I ever had the chance to ask him, and I and I knew he would be honest, I would love to ask him how he feels about the decision to sign in Denver over Baltimore back when he was an undrafted free agent. Because we already know, like through reports, like the Ravens and then the Broncos were the two teams that were most interested in him. And then uh, people have said his mom convinced him to sign with the Broncos. And again, I am glad he did. I'm not trying to say I wish he didn't. But I wonder if he wishes that he had gone to Baltimore. Because I think from a from a success standpoint, it's pretty obvious that the Ravens have been better than the Broncos the last couple of years. Oh, absolutely. They, I mean, they were the best team in football two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of looking beyond that, I haven't studied Mike Boone yet, so I don't want to like try and hate on him too much. I just know he's always going to be not Phil to me. And I don't, and again, that's not his fault. Like it's got to take the deal, but I think the, I think the main reason aside from the connection to George Payton is the, the play that he does on special teams. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that's the, the reason that they did this. And I think it's when you look at the Broncos, the last, even during this, since the Super Bowl year, one of the biggest issues has been special teams. So if there's a way to make the special teams better, I'm glad George Payton is going to go out and do it. If, if Mike Boone can do that, so be it. The, the special teams can't get any worse. So anything that makes the special teams better, I'm all for. And and one of the tricky things last year was, too, having Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, and Rice Freeman, is none of them are – like. Philip Lindsay would be wasted on special teams at this point because what he does best is like getting him the ball on offense, um, which is why we saw in the early part of his rookie season, he was a returner, but then he stopped being a returner for the most part. But Royce Freeman basically hasn't been a plus on special teams his whole career. It's honestly one of the reasons why it's always been surprising that the Broncos haven't done more to like trying to like take his job. Um, and granted, again, I hope he succeeds this year. I'm not rooting against him, but just, that's that's what I, it's always been kind of surprising that they haven't pushed him more. 
But yeah, the fact that Mike Boone can do that, it gives you more flexibility. Like if you bring in a linebacker who doesn't necessarily do anything on special teams, but you have Mike Boone, it's okay. Last year we had Joe Jones in part because Joe Jones was a special teamer, but your, your depth on in the linebacker core was weaker because Joe Jones wasn't really a linebacker. He's a special teamer. So like Mike Boone is the kind of guy that helps that way. 100%. I, I think you nailed it with the word flexibility. Uh, the other big moves, and again, it's it's weird to say that these are big moves because they're none of them are outside signings. Broncos did tender Deontay Spencer, Calvin Anderson, Trey Marshall. They'll be back. Um, I, I think Calvin Anderson and Trey Marshall are the big ones. I think the Broncos are going to try and take a receiver in this draft. George Payton, I looked at his draft history with the Vikings, and again, that's not everything. But I do think there's some hints there. The Vikings spend a lot of resources on receivers, and they spend a lot of resources on defensive backs. Um, so I would not be surprised if the Broncos grab a receiver just because the 2022 status of Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Deontay Spencer, and Deshaun Hamilton are all question marks right now. It makes sense to bring in another guy just to have it. Especially if you trade Cortland Sutton to the Houston Texans. Yeah. Uh, but Trey Marshall could very well be playing. I think Calvin Anderson... If we don't see the Broncos make a big move uh, for like Elijah Wilkinson, DeMar Dotson, or another tackle on the market, I think Kelvin Anderson's tackle three. And that could be huge because Juwan James has played 65 snaps for the Broncos. What was fascinating about Juwan James is when the announcement for Vaughn Miller came out, Juwan James tweeted, good, I need to get the reps against one of the best edges in the fo- in football. I hope Jawan James is. I, I keep hoping that Jawan James turns into Bryce Callahan last year. Honestly, like I, I hope so because then, again, and I think you and I are we we agree on this. Like I have no problem with him opting out because like you got to do what's right for you. And I, again, I know that like you and I have talked about this. We agree on this, but at the same time, like from a, from a Broncos fan perspective, like again, like he's played sixty five snaps in two years. Like it's it's scary to think that the Broncos are counting on him at right tackle and they don't have anybody behind him. But at the same time, like he he was signed to that deal because he was quite good. Like he may very well hit the ground and look like an all pro ish right tackle. And he, since he opted out of the 2020 season, he's going to come in fresh. He's going to be able to have gotten all those injury issues that he's had and put them behind him. He now has a full year plus to be ready to go come. OTAs, mini camp, if, if they gather then, uh, depending on what, what's going on with the vaccines for COVID, but definitely for training camp. And that's huge because a healthy Juwan James is better than anything else they have right now on the roster. If Juwan James comes in and looks like we hoped he would when he signed, the Broncos probably have the best offensive line in the AFC West. And again, that's optimi- that's a little optimistic. I believe in Lloyd Cushenberry's development because I don't think, I think he's going to get better. But Dalton Reisner and Garrett Bowles by the end of the season were one of the better left sides in football. Graham Glasgow, like we forget about him because he's again comparatively to like the other players, he's quote unquote boring. But like Graham Glasgow is a pretty damn good pass protector, and he's mobile. And then Natani Mute is depth. Like he showed flashes. Like we have to wait and see like where he is at. But like I'm very optimistic about the offensive line with Jawan James like as a question mark. And what will help Graham Glasgow is to have someone like Juwan James come in and be that right tackle that John Elway and, and Mike Munchak hoped when they signed him a couple of years ago. And then the fact that he's going to be able to come in healthy and have a year to, to, get, to get himself right physically, 
is nothing but a positive. And I, I think I think Broncos country should feel optimistic about Juwan James, and especially if the Broncos are able to keep traversing back to this to get Deshaun Watson, he's going to make Juwan James better, and Juwan James can help make Deshaun Watson better, and then Juwan James will make Graham Glasgow and Lloyd Cushenberry better. The one other move, and again, this move is kind of really falling underneath the like radar. The Broncos brought back Alexander Johnson on a second round tender. It's easy to take for granted because like it looked obvious to you and me, like we both agreed that like you have to do it. Like, like what are you going to do? You're going to let him go for nothing. Um, so it's easy to forget, but I'm, I'm quite glad with that. And again, like it's resigning your own, but at the same time, like Alexander Johnson, he's an elite run defender better. Like he's pretty okay in coverage. Like he's not, he's not, a, he's not going to win in coverage. Like I wouldn't say he's like very good, but he's good in coverage. Um, good blitzer, very good blitzer. Uh, like I, I like this move. I, and, and I think with Von Miller, Malik Reed, Bradley Chubb, if you have all three and then the pass rush in front of him and him, Vic Fangio is going to be able to do quite a bit on third downs. I, I, yeah, I mean, it, when you look at moves like this, do you have something in place that will fill in for them? Yeah. The Broncos don't have anything at middle linebacker that's going to be better than Alexander Johnson. Is there anything on the market that's better than Alexander Johnson in terms of a middle linebacker point uh, perspective? Probably after, not. After Matt Milano came back to Buffalo, the only player on the free agent market that I really wanted Denver to kick around was Jayon Brown. He was coming off an injury. I just liked the idea of what he could do when healthy. He went back to the Titans on a, I think I want to say it's up to $5 million on his new deal. He's betting on himself because he was hurt. So like, but the rest of the market, it's a lot of two down run stuffers, special teamers. Eric Wilson will probably make more than I think he's worth just because he had a very good year for the Vikings last year. But if you actually like go back and dig into the numbers beyond like interceptions, he was okay. Like, I'm not trying to hate on him, but like, I don't, I'm thinking if the Broncos sign him and I kind of do hope they kick around on him. I hope it's not big money. I hope it's like a, like a one year, two year type of deal where it's like Mike Boone. You give him a couple million dollars. If he pans out, you re-sign him to a, a real deal. That's what I hope they do if they bring him in. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with that. And I, I, I do think I, it was a good move by Peyton to place a second round tender on Alexander Johnson. I, I just, I, I think Alexander Johnson can continue to get even better. The more comfortable that he gets in Vic Fangio's defense and the more he plays, I think the better he is going to get. The thing that I think would help him a ton is to bring in a guy like, and they tried to do this last year with Patrick Queen, but if they can, if they can bring in a coverage backer to put next to him, he'll be able to go back to doing like the things that he does best. And I think that that will help him because you don't want Alexander Johnson moving out to try and cover a tight end, like in man coverage, like, and that's not to say that he can't cover a guy, but like in an ideal world, he's dropping into a zone picking up the guy when he gets there. Like you don't want him running step for step with Travis Kelsey. Like that's not a winning strategy. So like, that's one of the reasons why, again, if anybody has been paying attention to like the mock drafts I do, I think Jabril Cox a lot. Jabril Cox is probably the best pass defending linebacker in this draft class. Patrick Queen esque is like how I would describe him. I like him a lot. Um, there's some RFAs that are or not RFAs, but there's still some Broncos free agents that are on the market. I know Mike Kliss has kind of thrown them out there. Is there anybody that you have looked at that like really jumps out to you as the Broncos should kick uh, kick around as like a potential guy? Um, I don't know if you've looked at it. I can give you the names, um, and I'm not going to try and put you on the spot. I'm just kind of curious. Um, 
I know Will Parks is really popular. He's also a DB and a safety. That would probably be good. I think he's a nickel for Fangio, but like he plays safety also. I um, think I but, think Will Parks makes sense, especially if you bring back Kareem Jackson. Yeah. I, well, I in terms of Will Park, I, I mean, I think they should bring him back anyway, because I I just you need the depth, and I I mean I don't think Will Parks is a starter. I don't think he should be classed. I don't think he should be categorized as one. But I, I absolutely, I think you should you should try to bring Will Parks back just because it brings depth. He knows the defense. And he plays, again, to go back to this, like we said about Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons, he knows Justin Simmons. He has a good tandem and a good rapport with Justin Simmons. So it just makes sense to try to get him back. And Will Parks is an underrated special teamer. I like that about him too. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, Demarcus Walker, I could take her leave. I don't, I, I've been low on Demarcus Walker forever. So like, I know that this is like a thing. He's not a pass. He's not as good a pass rusher as his sack numbers look like. Like, I'm just, I just want to say it that way is where I'm at with him. I think he's okay. If they can bring him back as a camp guy. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, if you can get him back on a deal that makes sense for the organization, so be it, but don't, you don't need to go over his market value. And the only people who can determine that are, are George Payton and the Broncos. If not, you let him walk. I, I, I don't think that's going to be a move that drastically moves the needle one way or another. The DeMar Dotson, Elijah Wilkinson, I'd really like just because I would like the Broncos to have another tackle if they don't necessarily know about Calvin Anderson because of Juwan James's injury history. Like I would like to have some sort of proven depth behind him. I liked DeMar Dotson a lot last year. Um, I thought he he filled in pretty admirably, all things considered. I think you have to go with one of the two. I think you have to determine which one you want to bring back. I think that might lead them to Elijah Wilkinson just because he's a little bit younger. So that might be the way they go. But I think it's one of the two. Pick one of the two. Get one of them back. Um, I think apples and oranges with whichever one you want to go with. That's where I would lean on Mike Munchak to – decide basically make i I'd, I'd leave that decision to mike munchak which one do you want which one should we bring should, which one should we bring back dotson or wilkinson well one thing i like about wilkinson that you're not going to get with dotson too is he has more scheme versatile like he can play up and down the line a little bit more uh the other big ones and again like there's a lot of free agents i like i don't know some of these guys this again this sounds kind of cold but some of these guys i feel like if the broncos can bring them back on a veteran minimum deal as like a if you're here and you win the job, you're here. If you don't, we replace you. Like I'm open for that with any player that was on the Broncos roster last year, just because the, the coaching staff knows them. Um, but a couple of guys that like, for me, that I kind of hope that they kind of kick around on Jeremiah Tachu. I thought he played better than his contract last year. Von Miller's injury history. Derek Tuska is completely unproven. Like for the most part, like I think he, I want to say he played like 30 snaps. I would like Atachu just because like Yvonne can't get back or if you trade Bradley Chubb, you have a guy who can adequately fill it edge three, edge three or edge four. Um, the other one is one of the tight ends. And again, I don't want the Broncos to spend big on Troy Fumagalli or Jake Butt. But I do hope at least one of them comes back just because like they know the system. I, I think out of that, I'd rather have Atachu back just because you can't have enough edge edge rushers you need you need all the edge depth that you can get even when you have a healthy von miller and if you include bradley chubb in a trade for deshaun watson you obviously need some someone who knows the system and atachu has been successful with it i i don't 
I'm not big on either Fumagalli or Butt. I think roll with Albert Akuegbunam and and give him the opportunity. I, I think in an offense with potentially Deshaun Watson as his quarterback, I think he could be a second tight end with Noah Fant if he's not included in the trade for Deshaun Watson. That's two tight ends that could be very dynamic for you in this offense. Yeah. Yeah, my, my big thing, again, like my big thing is if the Broncos need cap space, I am not that attached to Nick Vanette. Um, not to hate on him. He played better than I thought after Pittsburgh. But he's pretty expensive for a tight end three. Like if Albert, like if Albert O is back, like to where he was, like you don't need to pay that much for Nick Vanette. And then in that case, like then a Troy Fumagalli can fill in very cheaply because I don't think you want to rely on a rookie tight end. But again, like these are these are backup backup, and then like a lot of them are playing special teams is what a lot of these guys are doing. As we said a couple times, I don't think you and I like right now with everything kind of looming with it is with Deshaun Watson like. I like the Broncos roster for the most part as it is. But the thing is like Deshaun Watson moves the needle more than any single player. Honestly, almost every single player on the Broncos roster. Like you have Deshaun Watson, you have the, you have an elite top five quarterback, probably a top three quarterback. You figure the rest of it out. Like that's how it goes. Like that's, that's it. Again, people get mad at this because Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl with an elite defense when he was a zombie. But he was an outlier. And again, I loved that season. Like, I'm not trying to hate on that season. But that was the Baltimore Ravens in 2000. Like, that was Trent Dilfer being carried to a Super Bowl. Peyton Manning's better than Trent Dilfer, but, like, it was a similar style where the offense got dragged to the Super Bowl. And Peyton did enough to get get them there with, like, bits and pieces around him. Like The, the Broncos are legitimately a quarterback away. They are. Because you look at the way the Broncos' defense played in that last game against the Kansas City Chiefs. I get that there were a couple of plays that didn't go in the Chiefs' favor, that Tariq Hill non-touchdown. But Vic Fangio still laid the groundwork for for Thank you. Todd Bowles for the defense that he put forth in the Super Bowl against that offense. You are legitimately a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. Every sports book has said it to me to go back to the sports betting for the stories I've done at playcolorado.com, Johnny Avello has said it, and the fans know it. The Broncos are a quarterback away. And when you add Deshaun Watson to this offense, you have an offense that can compete against Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Chiefs. Even if you do include Cortland Sutton in a trade to the Texans, you still have Tim Patrick. You still have Jerry Judy. You still have K.J. Hamler. You still have Deshaun Hamilton. You still have Noah Fan. You still have Albert Aguegbunam. You still have, with Juwan James coming back, potentially the best offensive line in the AFC West. Plus that defense that's getting Von Miller back and just brought back Shelby Harris. You're starting to see the pieces for a team that can finally get out of this funk of losing seasons four straight, and no playoffs. Five. That's how big of a piece Deshaun Watson is and why George Payton needs to be aggressive and to do whatever it takes to get him. Whatever it takes. 